Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 347. Do you have any fallows read? Dal asked hesitantly. We do, said the host. And it's a lovely year, too, if I do say so myself. I'll have a cup, Dal said, glancing at me. One cup shouldn't alter my judgment too badly. The host hurried away, leaving me alone at the table with Alksha Dahl. It felt odd sitting across the table from him. I shifted nervously in my seat. So, how are things with you? Dal asked conversationally. Passing fair, I said. It was a good turn with the exception of... I made a gesture towards Imra. Dal gave a humorless chuckle. That was a brush with the old days, wasn't it? He shook his head. Consortation with demons. Good lord. The host returned with our drinks and left without a word. Master Dal picked up his wide clay cup and held it in the air. To not getting burned alive by superstitious folk, he said. I smiled, despite my discomfiture, and raised my wooden mug. A fine tradition. We both drank, Dal sighing appreciatively at the wine. Dal looked at me across the table. So, tell me, he said. Have you ever considered what you're going to do with yourself when you're done here? After you have your gilder, I mean. I haven't thought of it that much, I admitted honestly. It seems such a long way off. At the rate you're rising through the ranks, it might not be so long at that. Already a relarit. How old are you again? Seventeen, I lied smoothly. I was sensitive about my age. Many students were nearly twenty before they enrolled in the university, let alone joined the Arcanum. Seventeen. Dal mused softly. It's so easy to forget that. You carry yourself so tall. His eyes got a faraway look in them. Lord and lady, I was a mess at seventeen. My studies, trying to sort out my place in the world, women. He shook his head slowly. It gets better, you know. Give it three or four years and everything settles down a bit. He raised his clay cup to me briefly before taking another drink. Not that you seem to be having much trouble. Rilar at seventeen. Quite a mark of distinction. I flushed a bit, not knowing what to say. The host returned and began laying dishes on the table. A small board with an array of different sliced cheeses. A bowl with small toasted pieces of bread. A bowl of strawberry preserves. A bowl of blueberry jam. A small dish of shelled walnuts. At the end of the page, I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. So Quoth is actually 16 then, still? I think he's 15. He's younger than 17. (laughs) Yeah. He doesn't mention his birthday much, does he? He doesn't go, my birthday came and went. No, well, maybe they don't celebrate birthdays. Yeah. Something that's interesting, sort of, about the way that Dal talks to him about being 17, I, I assume that... Dal probably has a relatively similar childhood to most people within his rank at this point in, in the world of Tamarant, but he seems to talk about it like it's like, oh yeah, like when I was 17, I was a mess. Like like everyone who's 17 is a mess except for Quoth. <laughs> well, I think what he's saying is it was hard for me when I was 17. I'm sure you feel like it's hard too. I guess. Yeah, and like to be fair, I think for m- for many people, if not all people, adolescence and being a teenager is a 
a difficult time. Everything's changing on you. And, you know, even if you are in relatively comfortable circumstances, you know, you're figuring out how to be a grown up person. You're figuring out what kind of person you are uh, and you're learning to navigate all these things you've never had to do before. But that's also like, that's not necessarily your life being a mess. That's just what being a teenager is like. And it's very normal at that point in time. Right. But when you're a teenager, you don't know that. Yeah. When you're a teenager, it's all you know, and it feels like a disaster. Although I got to say, being a teenager was like no picnic, but my mid to late 20s were way worse. Oh, yeah. I was not prepared for how rough they would be. (laughs) Well, I think that we, unfortunately, all came of that age in a time of unprecedented economic and political turmoil. That was not the case for, you know, Patrick Rothfuss, for example who I think was a teenager in like the 80s. Yeah, Actually, Nick, you said mid to late 20s, and it occurs to me that for me, it was actually my late teens, early 20s, because of like where our ages sit. Because I was thinking like, oh yeah, mid to late 20s for me too, but it's not. Because <laughs> I'm in my late 20s. Yeah, I mean, what, did, did we have the same rough time at the same time? Uh, I'm pretty sure that we had a rough time when we both lived at Ashdale. So like yeah, that, but and, you know, and, like that. I had a rough time the year before that and the year after that as well. Well, rough times for all. Dal doesn't know the half of it, right? He's like, yeah, my life sucks when I was a teenager, not knowing that Quoth's entire family was murdered by demons, and yeah. he spent his formative years like scrounging for crusts of bread in a miserable urban hellhole, right? Like this is the best Quoth's life has been in like a decade. That's true. Uh, something that this might reveal about Dal's childhood is that he was, if he wasn't already a student at the university when he was 17, he was a student somewhere or he was planning it, right? He says, my studies in the same breath that he says 17. Uh, I was a mess at 17. My studies trying to sort of my place in the world. We don't get a ton of information, but you can sort of extrapolate that he he had the option or he was already planning on studying, presumably at the university. I don't know where else you would study when he was that age. So Dahl is also perhaps another uh, prodigy. I think it makes sense that, I mean, Elodin, we know, was a prodigy. That's already one master for sure. I, I don't see why another master wouldn't also potentially be a prodigy. Well, that's a lot of prodigies. Maybe prodigies aren't as, like, like sort of the same way that uh, the gifted program works in that maybe prodigies are just a different way of thinking. They're not actually like, once-in-a-lifetime things. That's one way to look at it. I just, you know, as a former gifted student myself, I feel that I can say with confidence that... You you weren't a prodigy? No, no, that nobody in the gifted program was actually a prodigy. But that doesn't mean that there aren't such a thing as a prodigy. Yeah, I feel like uh, the mediocre Arcanist people either, like, flunk out or just become, you know, mediocre Arcanists. And then the really good ones, the ones who want to make a real life of it are the ones who become the masters for the most part. I mean, I feel like Ham is a pretty mediocre arcanist, but uh, remains to be seen. But his rhetoric and logic is spot on. (laughs) Well, it might also be that nobody else wants to teach it. (laughs) We don't really ever see Ham own someone with logic, with facts and logic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, at the time that Rothfuss was writing this book, the facts and logic guy as like a, a character hadn't quite come into being yet. I wonder what this book would be like if it were written now. <laughs> well, we're going to get book three, which is definitely going to be influenced by the current 
uh, political climate in some way or other. So we'll get that at least. Indeed. Also, I know we say this all the time. Actually, I know I say this all the time, but damn, the food sounds good. (laughs) Yeah, this is your real hobby horse. I just, I want the food. (laughs) It's also, I think we can analyze this food a little bit to get a sense. We already know this place is nice, but this is all stuff that requires quite a bit of preparation, right? This isn't just like a pie or, you know, the bowl of brown. It's not even just a bowl of walnuts. It's shelled walnuts. Exactly. Well, all of the things require labor, right? Like different sliced cheeses at the one level, like us just to have to slice the cheese and not just give them a hunk of cheese or carve off a big hunk. That's what you'd get in a cheaper place. And also like a variety of cheeses. It's not like they had one cheese curing in the basement. They've called out for it. Uh, They've sliced and toasted individual pieces of bread. Strawberry preserves take a long time. You have to, you know, boil it down, make and can it. Same with jam, shelling each of the walnuts. I don't know that this is necessarily, we require this much analysis of this. uh, But I think that you could argue that each of these things require a fair bit of preparation and and procurement. And you could probably extend this to Quoth's bar in the frame because he's got a ton of stuff at that, at that inn, uh, at the Waystone Inn. He's got all kinds of preserves and he's always making pies and stuff and breads. Uh, we know he has like coffee and chocolate, right? So he's, he's well-stocked much like this place. Although this place doesn't seem to be an inn as well. I think it is just a place to eat. Yeah. I, I, I figure I, I picture this place as just a restaurant, but Whatever. This is not where I will have my last stand. Uh, we have another letter today. If there's nothing else. Mm, nah, I'm good. This is from Manuel, who writes, Greetings, shallow reader, fence sitter, and cracked potter. I have a pet hypothesis that I hesitate to bring up as it may play into the spiderweb crockery of Nick's time loop. I think there is a better than average chance that mating habits of the common Dracus had not yet been written when Quoth was attending the university. Remember, Coates demand that Chronicler copy down everything he says word for word. Coates being Quoth, to some degree or other, is definitely going to test this periodically throughout the frame narrative. Mating habits is brought up several times in the story. I posit that Quoth was just as ignorant as Denna about what that monster in Trebin was. I think this fits with Devin Lockie's attending the university as a young man at some point after Quoth had left. Maybe the story being told about Quoth and Trebin at some point was about him slaying a dragon. Remember that Coat referred to Chronicler in the frame as the Great Debunker. Maybe Mating Habits was written in part to debunk the story about Quoth versus the dragon that was commonly known. As reputation conscious as Quoth is, there is exactly zero chance that he would let something like that slide without rubbing Lockie's nose in it. That is why you have Coach sliding in mentions of mating habits. Both of them know all mentions of mating habits are obvious falsehoods, but Chronicler writes them in as instructed. A consequence of this is that Quoth is much older than Chronicler, though it is expressly stated that he appears much younger. This opens up a lot of other ideas, time loops, decades in the Fae, one Quoth to rule them all, etc., I'm sorry, I don't understand how this makes sense. Quoth, in in the story, Quoth reads it when he's at the university. He says it, right? But uh, unreliable narrator and all that. Hmm. Ah, No, that's too far of a stretch for me. Like, he said he read it, I believe him. I like this theory because I've always been uncomfortable about 
the timeline with Devin Lockies. He was a student long enough there ago before Kvothe arrived. Uh, and then he had time to research and write this book. And then he was still off in the world operating all the time it took Kvothe to become a storied hero. And then when the frame narrative rolls around, he's still like not a decrepit old man. He seems like, you know, at most a middle-aged guy, but still spry enough to walk uh, and survive an encounter with the Skrail. I kind of like this. There's always been something hinky about the mating habits of the, com- the common Dracus. And I know I'm the cracked potter, but this works for me. Of course it does. Listeners, let this be an object lesson that thinking about things too much causes your brain to go cracked. Okay, wait, I'm just, I'm doing some quick math here. Let's, let's scenario this for a second. So, what if, oh no, wait, oh, never mind, no, I got that wrong. (laughs) Damn it! (laughs) I had it, I thought I had it. How old is Quoth when we first hear about the mating habits of the common Dracus? I don't know. He, he like seems to be aware of it. I don't know if he reads it in the universe. He does, right? He, he refers to it when he goes, he finally gets into the stacks and he finds an illustrated copy of it or something, right? Yeah, because he reads it and then he tells uh, Denna about it. Oh, okay. Okay, so my timeline might still work out then. So let's say that Chronicler enters the university at 20. Right? That's a normal age for that yeah. sort of thing. Uh, he stays there for five years. And in that time, uh, in as a thesis, he writes The Mating Habits of the Common Dracus. Cool. Okay. Right? I, I think that, like, I think you need to do some traveling and some anthropology or whatever the... You could take a year abroad and write it. I guess so. Okay. Let's say he's he's laser focused on this thesis and he writes it as part of his studies at the university. Okay. So let's say he's like 25, 26-ish when he graduates. So the same way that Kvothe's uh, stuff that he makes it in the art of history sort of becomes a thing that the university sells, the book that Chronicler has written ends up in the archives. So that book can be in the archives pretty much like from Chronicler being 25 onwards. So let's say Chronicler graduates, and as Chronicler ha- graduates, Kvothe comes into the university. Kvothe is... 14, 15 when he comes into the university. So that makes Quoth 14 when Chronicler is 25. So theoretically, he's only 11 years older than Quoth, which is like not that much time. I guess so. I guess that works. Like, I definitely know people more than 11 years older than me who look my age. So, yeah, okay, that's fair. Thank you, Jordana, for restoring sanity. Listeners, if you have it, if you have a cracked pot theory that you want to air on this show, or if you agree, or if you disagree, please write in and tell us. Mr. Mailbag's bowl is becoming empty. There is not more in the pot. He's going to have to look elsewhere to sate his appetites. I don't like that idea. (laughs) How about he just starves? Jordana. You're looking awfully envelope-shaped. <laughs> Jordana, your pale, papery flesh. Ow! Rude! Very rude! <laughs> I'm sensitive about my excessively pale skin. 
Well, listeners, if you want to prevent some sort of Mr. Mailbag-related tragedy, you better write in with some letters quickly. You can do that at pageofthewind at gmail.com. You can also add us at on the various social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Page of the Wind. You can go to pageofthewind.com to find links to all of these things, as well as our merch table. Now we have all kinds of COVID-conscious merch, such as masks. Woo! And also, oh no, wait, I was going to say, and also neck gaiters, but I actually took the neck gaiters off because I found out they weren't as useful as masks. So no neck gaiters, only masks. Yep. You can't buy a neck gaiter. You're not allowed to buy a neck gaiter from us. You can only buy a mask from us. (laughs) Also, don't wear neck gaiters and expect it to protect anybody or yourself because it just disperses your your expectorate as an aerosol, which is much worse than, than nothing. Yep. I'm going to have to Google what a neck gator is. Neck gators might eat your head. It's pretty unsafe to put a gator around your yeah, neck. Yeah, I was going to say, neck gator is practically Mr. Mailbag, but for your head. Very dangerous. <laughs> Who would win in a fight? A neck gator or Mr. Mailbag? <laughs> <laughs> and you'll find out tomorrow? Jordana, you're saying, are you saying neck gator or neck ater? Uh, I thought it was neck gator. You're right. Because if 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 you eat someone's head, you're a neck eater. That was a terrible joke. I'm not even laughing, and I laugh at everything. <laughs> Jeremy, I think you had another plug to make, and then we can log off. Oh, just that on, on Sundays, uh, usually between 1 and 3 or 4 Eastern Standard Time, we stream our recording sessions. So if you want to hang out with us, you know, press F to pay respects in the chat, send us questions and dank memes. Uh, that's a chance to do it and see our pretty faces. And that's at twitch slash page of the wind dot TV. Close. It's twitch.tv slash page of the wind. Oh, I was so close. Hit that bell to be reminded or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. like share and subscribe. This is going on 20 minutes and we are not, this is not scintillating content. So let's, uh, let's close it up and we'll come back tomorrow for another page. Uh, uh, wind. Yeah.